0: Um, it should be a time of grief, good grief, um, perhaps even to be grim faced. And, and so, to help all of us be grim faced, um, I am dressed in my most somber colors this morning. And, and I'm going to preach a, a heavy sermon uh, on systematic theology this Good Friday. So, why Good Friday? It is good because there is atonement of sins. Um, But what is this doctrine of atonement? It's very hard to explain. Uh, There is love and there's forgiveness and there is sin. But if there were no sin, there is no atonement. If we had been totally right with a holy and loving God, And if we are totally pure in thought, in word, in deed, then we are sinless. There would have been no need for atonement. But we are not. The first mention of this word atonement is in the Old Testament, is about a physical object. It's found in Exodus chapter 25, verse 17. It says. Make an atonement cover. In the King James Version, it's called mercy seat. Make a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide. And this is the Ark of the Covenant, made popular by Indiana Jones. If you see that movie, you have some idea what it is like. The Ark of the Covenant is where the holy and awesome presence of God resides. Of course, God is everywhere, but there is an essence of his presence right there to help the children of Israel understand what holy and awesome presence mean. The same root word is also found in Genesis, the same Hebrew word, for atonement cover, mercy seat, is also found in Genesis chapter 6, verse 14, and this refers to Noah's ark. One is the ark of the covenant, this refers to Noah's ark. And it says So God told, told Noah, So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch. Coat it with pitch is the word kafa, or atonement. Or mercy seat, coat it, cover it with pitch inside and out, to cover it so that water cannot come in to Noah's ark. To make a mercy seat to cover what was inside the ark of the covenant: the the Ten Commandments, the 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 um, Aaron's uh, uh, rod that budded, uh, the manna. To set it apart, that it is holy, that it is sinless. The next mention of the word atonement in the Old Testament then brings out the full meaning of what atonement is. It was in the context of consecration, in the context of purifying from sin. And it is found in Exodus chapter 29, from verse 32. Let me read that. At the entrance to the tent of meeting, Aaron. And his sons are to eat the meat of the ram and the bread that is in the basket. They are to eat these offerings by which atonement was made for their ordination and consecration. But no one else may eat of them, because they are sacred. And if any of the meat of the ordination ram or any bread is left over till morning, burn it up. It must not be eaten, because it is sacred." Do for Aaron and his sons everything I have commanded you, taking seven days to ordain them. Sacrifice a bull each day as a sin offering to make atonement. Purify the altar by making atonement for it and anoint it to consecrate it. For seven days make atonement for the altar and consecrate it. And so you see that the atonement comes with blood with sacrifice. And once a year, the children of Israel commemorate a day of atonement. We now know it commonly as Yom Kippur. Yom for day, Kippur for atonement. Exodus chapter 30 verse 10, once a year Aaron shall make atonement on its horns, on the horn of the uh, Ark of the Covenant. This annual atonement must be made with the blood of the atoning sin offering for generations to come. It is most holy to the Lord. Further described in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 27, it says, The tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves, and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Do no work on that day because it is. The day of atonement, when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. And just as Noah's Ark had a, a cover, coated, cover it with pitch, it foreshadows God's dealing with sinful men. The practice of a sin offering to make atonement, to cover up the sin of man. It foreshadows God's final solution with regard to sin, that there is a mercy seat, a cover over us, Jesus Christ, a Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed. In the New Testament, what does it say in Romans chapter 3? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we were made to live out the glory of God, but we have fallen short. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement. Another word used in the King James Version is propitiation. Also used in Hebrews, the word mercy seat. So atonement, propitiation, mercy seat. A sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he has left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So you see this word atonement, propitiation, mercy seat. In the Hebrew, Kippur, Yom Kippur, in the Greek, his hilasterion, atonement, cover, mercy seat. They are all the same word in Hebrew and in Greek. And the word in English, atonement, is, is quite a rare word, seldom used. It's a theological term. And one theological dictionary defines it this way. The English word atonement is derived from two words, at one man. at one man and it denotes a state of right uh, togetherness and agreement between two people atonement presupposes two parties that are estranged with the act of atonement being the reconciliation of them into one into a state of harmony so it is a compound word at one man to bring parties together so that they are then one in a state of harmony, reconciled. And so how are we made one with God, reconciled at harmony with God? And this is a doctrine of atonement. Difficult to explain, but I'm going to try. Well, in August of 1987, August 16th actually, there was a flight 225, Northwest 225, which crashed soon after takeoff from Detroit airport. It killed 155 people. There was one survivor, a four-year-old girl called Cecilia, and that's who she is uh, in a hospital. News accounts said that when the rescuers found Cecilia, they could not believe, they did not believe that she was on the plane. They thought that she was one of the passengers on uh, a car in a car along the highway where the aeroplane crashed. But when they checked the register of the aeroplane, they found that Cecilia was there, and Cecilia survived. She survived because even as the plane was falling off the skies, Cecilia's mother, Paula, unbuckled her own seat. She got down on her knees in front of the seat, she wrapped herself around her daughter and she would not let go. That was her mother. Her brother, her father, they all died. But because of her mother's action by wrapping herself around her youngest, she survived. And this is Cecilia today. She even had a, has a tattoo on her arm to remind herself Of her mother's love and sacrificial death nothing could separate Cecilia from her mother's love neither tragedy nor disaster neither the fall nor the flames that followed neither height nor depth neither life nor death sounds familiar and so like Cecilia who was caught in the middle of the disaster so too we have been caught trapped in our own sin spiraling down to an inevitable doom but our god who loved us so much that he left heaven came down to our level covered ourselves with the sacrifice of his own body on the cross so that we might be saved from the fall the fall and that is penal substitution okay all these theological terms this is the most common explanation of the doctrine of atonement. Penal substitution. In Isaiah 53, that was read earlier, verse 5, But Jesus was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities, Since The punishment that brought us peace was upon Jesus. And by Jesus' wounds, we are healed. Further, in the New Testament, Romans chapter 3.25, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. And God did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished, but he laid the punishment on Jesus. And so God is righteous, he's holy, he's just. And because of that, sin cannot be tolerated and sin must be punished. And so Jesus took that punishment for us in our place on the cross to satisfy God's justice. And penal substitution therefore has many positive uh, aspects because it lays out to us how serious sin is, that it has to be punished. It is very logical. Punish, there is a punishment, somebody took the punishment. And it deals very effectively with the guilt of sin. Therefore, for us now, there is no guilt. It's been done with. But there are also some negative aspects, or some very incomplete aspects, if you take penal substitution as the only explanation for atonement. And it's just like just a spiritual, sacrificial transaction. But that makes Jesus' life, his birth, his life, and his resurrection, sort of incidental. It doesn't like matter very much. And Jesus' life and example was, then becomes not, not a very big factor. Just the fact that he was sinless, he died. Okay, penal substitution. And so the ongoing life of you and I as Christians is not so much addressed in this uh, example. And sin is looked upon very individualistically. I sinned, Jesus died for me. I'm clear. And some have even asked, so did God kill his own son? Some even call this divine child abuse. It addresses retributive justice, but it doesn't talk about restorative after you become a Christian. Restorative justice. So theologians have come up with another way to look at atonement. And this is called in the Latin, Christus victor. So, Jesus Christ as the victor. Okay, I'm going to illustrate it with uh, this movie, The Hunger Games. How many of you have seen it? Some, okay. Uh, I don't know, some people like denigrate movies, but this one really has got some uh, re- redemptive features, good meaning in this movie. And in this movie, which is based on a book, by the way, it's about a very futuristic world in which um, one girl and one boy from the ages of 12 to 18 are selected from 12 districts to to compete in uh, a televised uh, battle unto death until there is one person surviving, and that is like entertainment for this new world. And so this story is narrated by this girl called Katniss, who is here, 16-year-old. But at first, her little sister was selected for the battle to death. And she's so young, she's so weak, she's going to die, right? So Katniss took over. She volunteered to compete in this battle unto death and therefore spared her sister. And of course, she won. She won. She beat the system she disarmed the powers that be that was televising this cruel game and she made a public spectacle of the powers that be sounds familiar the doctrine of christus victor the latin expression for christ as victor second timothy chapter 1 from verse 9 says this grace was given us in christ jesus before the beginning of time but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our savior christ jesus who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He destroyed death. Another verse that talks about this aspect is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Several more verses I want to share with you on this aspect. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Colossians 2, from verse 13, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with his regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. It's like the, the girl Katniss who, who won the game and who showed up the evil that was disarmed made a public spectacle and lastly 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 57 but thanks be to God he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and so Jesus won the decisive victory over evil over death over Satan and so this this doctrine addresses not just the individual sin but sin as a power sin as leading to death And Satan, who is the prince of darkness, evil. Very good. Also, some negative, it can lead to a very triumphalistic theology that sort of diminishes the impact of Jesus' life and especially Jesus' suffering and death. So yet another way is the ransom theology. And I'm talking about the Laju incident. You all know about it. The Laju incident happened in uh, January 1974 in Singapore when four armed men attacked a shell refinery in Pulau and then they later on hijacked a ferry boat called Laju. And they were able to detonate three, three uh, of the 12 explosives that, were, that they were carrying. But it didn't cause very much damage. And then began negotiations with these terrorists or hijackers. And in the end... In order to release the those who were hijacked, 12 men were sent, or 13 uh, Singaporean men were sent as ransom to be
1: held by this. <laughs>
0: as well, but still, it gives us a very strong sense, and the Bible uses the word ransom, ransom to, 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 as it were, touch our hearts by what Jesus did on the cross on Good Friday. And the fourth theory is moral influence. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, to this you will call because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Again, in verse fifteen, here is saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on Him and receive eternal life. Jesus came to live a life of love, self-sacrifice exemplary obedience and we are to follow him again there are weaknesses in this theory because it doesn't talk so much about the death of Jesus the price he paid to deal with sin, it shows a lot of God's love, God's teaching and and Christ became like like a martyr more than a saviour when I was in Israel recently One of the guys said to to us, and he said, Well, yes, I accept Jesus, Yeshua, uh, as a good teacher. I even believe that Yeshua is a prophet, but I do not think that Yeshua is the Messiah. And So that's where it falls short. Good teacher, good example, but not Messiah, not Savior. But in this model or in this theory of moral influence, there's a lot for us to learn that Jesus would go to the cross, die there, live a life of love, all his teachings in the gospel. And that we as his disciples should carry on this life of restoration, of forgiveness, of teaching others and setting example of loving and forgiving that we are not just freed from guilt and shame and hell, but we are called to a new life, to follow the Master. So what is atonement? Hard to explain. I've tried. One theologian called it a multifaceted diamond. All of us love diamond. It's something amazing. And I think it takes God, who is God, to create a diamond out of heavy stress uh, in the earth. It's a multifaceted diamond. That's that amazing range and depth of, of God's love and it's all captured in atonement. So the four theories that I talked about, penal substitution, Christus Victor, ransom, moral influence, they're all very good. They all complement one another but they're not all complete in and of itself. And, and no one theory fully captures the, the amazing work of God in atonement. Except that God is with us. It is a personal thing. You cannot capture it in an abstraction uh, like this. Penal substitution, penalty for death. We should pay it, but Jesus did. He becomes our personal substitute. Christus Victor, we have no power to defeat sin And we have no power to overcome death. Jesus did it. He becomes our personal substitute. Ransom. We have no means to buy ourselves back, to pay any ransom. Jesus did it. He could. And he became our substitute. Moral influence. We want to do right. We want to be holy. But we are powerless to do so. We fail all the time. Jesus enables us to do it by living in us through the Holy Spirit. He is our substitute. So theories of atonement are useful and good, but they are just models. They are just abstractions to help us to understand. In the end, all of us, we are creatures of flesh and blood, creatures of time and space. And we need a relationship. We work best in terms of a relationship with a real person, with the person of Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to be at one with God, atonement at one, we have to go back to the Gospels. Each of the Gospel concludes not with an atonement theory or some model or some expression, right? Uh, or abstraction, rather. It just talks about, tells us a story of how men live with Jesus, and what Jesus taught, what he did, is a story, a continuing story. Through the Gospels, through Acts, through Acts chapter 29 onwards, which is us. And so, what is your story? What is your life with Jesus? What is shown to us is a life who lived, who died, who was resurrected. The life and work of Jesus now in us. What is it? What is the continuation? from Acts chapter 29. So in Matthew, how does it end? It ends with, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. We who have been saved, we who have Christ as victor, we who have Christ as the moral influence, the example, go and make disciples of all nations. In Mark sixteen fifteen it says, go into the world, preach the good news to all creation. Somebody once said, preach the gospel if necessary use words not sure how valid that is but there is some truth in that in that our lives our lives show the gospel our lives show that Jesus has indeed died resurrected luke chapter 24 verse 47 and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Same thing, we need to go out and live this life daily, experiencing Christ, having a personal devotion with him and then it will be displayed. And finally, John chapter 20, verse 21, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So these are all useful theories to explain, but in the end, it is our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God God could have just sent us A theology book, you know, that you have sinned, that in some fantastic metaphysical way, I will send uh, a lamb like creature to die for your sins, and, and that's not, and that's all. But not, God did not do that. He sent Jesus via the birth channels of Mary to live life on earth and to be the way to live, to love, to explain to illustrate to us what atonement is. Let me invite the musicians to come now, and then we want to sing a devotional song together as we end this Good Friday service. And I pray that your hearts will be moved by a God who so loved us. We pray that Jesus will be the center of our lives, Jesus would be the centre of this church. Yeah, why don't we stand? Why do we stand?
1: center it Jesus at the center of-
0: to express our gratitude and thanks to a God who so loved us. Jesus, we thank you for dying for us on the cross. How can we express that, thank, that thanks now? Would Holy Spirit, which you come and live in us, take over the center reorder our lives enable us even in the midst of pain and suffering and disappointment to live by the example that Jesus had for us that we are victors in Jesus' name that the pain, the suffering of today cannot be compared to the glory of tomorrow. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We were made to live in the glory of God. And through Jesus, we will live in the glory of God. So I want to encourage each one of us as we go through Good Friday, Saturday tomorrow, and as we come back on Sunday with our hearts lifted, that there is victory. That this life is not all there is. God promises us something better. That God's love will conquer every height, every depth. And that nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus. That we carry that in our heart. That is the center. Jesus in us. Love of God right at the center. So let's recommit ourselves this Good Friday. Heavenly Father, we come before you once again. Thank you. your death on the cross for the supreme act of love and we pledge our allegiance to you as you travel with us as you are in the center of our lives we will live as Jesus lived he is our center he is our example and into the world we go as you have sent us to reconcile to love to forgive to pray to give hope knowing that this life is not all there is that we our friends our relatives those who have acknowledged you as Lord and Savior we will meet on the other side and we will have a great celebration with you and that will be eternal life full of glory so thank you God I pray for each one of us as we depart from here to be re-centered re-centered into Jesus into the love of God thank you Jesus we pray and we glorify you today in Jesus name Amen